Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza, aka the Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media accounts at the Gratitude Chick for Instagram and TikTok, the Gratitude Chick Luanza Christina, and Talks with the Gratitude Chick for Facebook, and Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter. Also, head on over to Amazon to pick up my new book, 21 Days of Thankfulness, today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your reading corner with The Gratitude Chick. So today we are going to be reading The Game of Life and How to Play It. Now, I did start this book over a year ago. Now, I've I've listened to the audiobook several times. When I was at when I used to work in corporate America, I used to listen to it all the time at work. Um, so I know what the book is about, but I've never I've only read up to chapter 6, and I actually did read it for the podcast, but that was over a year ago and it's like I don't really want you guys, you know, scroll because I have so many episodes over almost 300 episodes. So it would be a like a, a long way for you to scroll back to kind of find, um, you know, the first six episodes. So I decided to go ahead and start over and start with chapter one. So that is what we're doing today. Again, we are reading The Game of Life and How to Play It by uh, Florence Scovel Shin. Chapter one. The game. Most people consider life a battle, but it is not a battle, it is a game. It is a game, however, which cannot be played successfully without the knowledge of spiritual law in the Old and the New Testaments. Give the rules of the game with wonderful clearness. Jesus Christ taught that it was a great game of giving and receiving. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This means that whatever man sends out in word or deed will return to him. What he gives, he will receive. If he gives hate, he will receive hate. If he gives love, he will receive love. If he gives criticism, he will receive criticism. If he lies, he will be lied to. If he cheats, he will be cheated. This also is uh, what karma is. You know, a lot of people may not believe in God or believe in the Bible, but they still understand karma. And um, in layman's words, what goes around comes back around. So just remember that when you're in, you know, on social media, responding to people, especially these celebrities that, that get harassed, which to me is crazy that people sit online and harass celebrities. So when when you're online saying things that you shouldn't say to people that you don't know remember this whatever you put out in word or in deed comes back to you so it may seem you know pretty innocuous for you to just sit there and do that and you may not think nothing of it but you are sowing that seed for that for what you're doing right now to come right back to you so I just wanted to say that We are taught also that the imaging faculty plays a leading part in the game of life. Keep thy heart or imagination with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 
This means that what man images soon, sooner or later externalizes in his affairs. I know of a man who feared a certain disease. It was a very rare disease and difficult to get. But he pictured it continually and read about it until it manifested in his body. And he died the victim of distorted imagination. And, you know, I, I do believe um, that something like this can happen. I remember, I want to say I was in my 20s. I'm going to just always say my 20s because I always tell you guys that was my worst decade. Um, so I, I I remember saying, like, every time I had any kind of flatulence, I would say, basically it's gastritis I have gastritis I, I had no idea what gastritis is my assumption is that it had to do with flatulence so I will always say whether it was a burp or you know just passing gas that it was gastritis until one day 20 years later I had a colonoscopy and an endoscopy and they came out and said, you have mild gastritis. So be careful of what you're saying. Because not only are your words powerful, but you're writing that in your mind. You know what I mean? And the more you say a thing, the more, the more you say a thing, the, the easier it is for you to believe that thing. That is why affirmations are key. Because they are to be repetitive. Because the more you say a thing, the more you believe that thing. So, I just wanted to stop and say that. So, we see to play successfully the game of life, we must train the imaging faculty. I keep wanting to say imagination. Imaging faculty. A person with an imaging faculty trained to image only good brings into his life every righteous desire of his heart. Health, wealth, love, friends, perfect self-expression, his highest ideals. The imagination has been called the scissors of the mind. And it is very cutting, cutting, day by day, the pictures man sees there. And sooner or later, he meets his own creations in his outer world. To train the imagination successfully, man must understand the workings of his mind. The Greeks said, know thyself. There are three departments of the mind, the subconscious, conscious, and superconscious. The subconscious is simply power without direction. It is like steam or electricity, and it does what it is directed to do. It has no power of induction. Whatever man feels deeply or images clearly is impressed upon the subconscious mind and carried out in its minutest detail. For example, a woman I know when a child always made believe she was a widow. Basically, she's saying as a child. I don't know why it says when a child, but it's, it's basically saying as a child, she always made believe she was a widow. She dressed up in black clothes and wore, and wore a long black veil, and people thought she was very clever and amusing. She grew up and married a man with whom she was deeply in love. In a short time, he died, and she wore black and a sweeping veil for many years. The picture of herself as a widow was oppressed upon her subconscious mind, and in due time worked itself out, regardless of the havoc created. The conscious mind has been called mortal or carnal mind. 
It is the human mind and sees life as it appears to be. It sees death, disaster, sickness, poverty, and limitation of every kind, and it impresses the subconscious. The superconscious mind is the God mind within each man and is the realm of perfect ideas. It is the perfect pattern spoken of by Plato, the divine design, for there is a divine design for each person. There is a place that you are to feel and no one else can feel, something you are to do which no one else can do. There is a perfect picture of this in the superconscious mind. It usually flashes across the conscious as an unattainable ideal, something too good to be true. In reality, it is man's true destiny or destination flashed to him from the infinite intelligence which is within himself. Many people, however, are in ignorance of their true identities and are striving for things and situations which do not belong to them and would only bring failure and dissatisfaction if attained. For example, a woman came to me and asked me to speak the word that she would marry a certain man with whom she was very much in love. She called him A.B. I replied that this would be a violation of spiritual law, but that I would speak the word for the right man the divine selection, the man who belonged to her by divine right. I added, if A.B. is the right man, you can't lose him. And if he isn't, you will receive his equivalent. She saw A.B. frequently, but no headway was made in their friendship. One evening, she called and said, do you know, for the last week, A.B. hasn't seemed so wonderful to me? I replied, maybe he is not the divine selection. Another man may be the right one. Soon after that, she met another man who fell in love with her at once and who she said was his ideal and who said she was his ideal rather. In fact, he said all the things that she had always wished A.B. would say to her. She remarked it was quite uncanny. She soon returned his love and lost all interest in A.B. This shows the law of substitution. A right idea was substituted for a wrong one. Therefore, there was no loss or sacrifice involved. That makes me think about this crush that I've had since I was 15. I don't have it anymore, but it lasted for many years. And what I realized in that is that I put what I wanted in a man on him and that is not who he was like the ideal and the picture of what I wanted it came in the package that he had like his looks but who he was as a person was not what I was putting on him and when I backed that back I realized that this man not only is not for me, but I don't even understand why I liked him for so long. (laughs) So this definitely is true. You can have these kind of situations where you are grasping at things that just are not meant for you. And that is why uh, a very popular affirmation that's going kind of going around social media is, I don't chase, I attract. What's meant for me will simply find me. And that is very true. Because if you are sitting here attaching things to, to anything, 
that's not indicative of what that thing is, you will spend a lot of, of your life kind of um, in shadows, really. Like you're literally looking at this thing in with sunglasses on instead of clear eyes. And that's what I did for many years. That's crazy. Jesus Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he said the kingdom was within man. The kingdom is the realm of right ideas or the divine pattern. Jesus Christ taught that man's words played a leading part in the game of life. By your words ye are justified, and by your words ye are condemned. Many people have brought disaster into their lives through idle words. I am one of those people. I know I've said this in many um, episodes, but one of the, the, the most idle words that I've said again in my 20s are, woe is me and whatever, anything bad that can happen to me will happen to me. Those were two affirming statements that I made often. And as I look back from my 40s to my 20s, there is no, it it just, it's not a surprise to me that my 20s were my worst decade because of the things that I allowed to come out of my mouth, which is why I have started, you know, years ago with my niece saying to her, watch your words. They are creating your life. She thinks, oh, I'm just saying a joke. It's not a joke. Your words have power. Watch your words. They are creating your life. Tell your children this. This is why I created the gratitude, um, my little thankful heart for children so that they can get in the habit of using their words for gratitude. And this is why I created 21 Days of Thankfulness for adults so that we can go back and start now using our words for gratitude. Okay, for example, a woman asked, once asked me why her life was now one of poverty and limitation. Formerly, she had, she had a home um, was, and was surrounded by beautiful things and had plenty of money. We found she had often tired of the management of her home and had said repeatedly, I'm sick and tired of things. I wish I lived in a trunk. And she added, today, I am living in that trunk. She had spoken herself into a trunk. The subconscious mind has no sense of humor and people often joke themselves into unhappy experiences. And I want to stress this enough. The subconscious mind has no sense of humor. People often joke themselves into unhappy experiences. And this has happened to me in life. I have, I had a really good job in Chicago and I joked and and talked myself out of that job. Not to any of my superiors or anything, but to coworkers. How many of you have sat around with coworkers complaining about your boss, complaining about other coworkers, complaining about your job, complaining about the company that you work for? All of these things are, the more that you say these things, the more that you believe these things, do not be surprised if you are if you lose this job because this happened to me and for three months I sat there and I said these things not even three months I want to say it was probably about not even quite two months probably about six weeks I said all these things 
And it was, it was a shock to my soul that I lost the job because I was sitting there like I was really good at my job. But because I allowed myself to join in the quote unquote fun of just talking shit about things, um, guess what? I shit talked myself out of a job. That was a learning experience for me. Because every time now, when when I was in corporate America, I would always do my gratefuls every day. And because one thing I did know is that there was possible to, if it was possible to talk myself out of a job, it's possible to talk myself into promotions. And I have talked myself into promotions. One year I got three promotions. So it's possible to talk yourself into things and talk yourself out of things. So be careful of your words. They are creating your life. Okay. Fortunately, the law works both ways and a situation of lack may may be changed to one of plenty. For example, a woman came to me one hot summer's day for a treatment for prosperity. She was worn out, dejected, and discouraged. She said she possessed just $8 in the world. I said, good. We'll, um, we'll bless the $8 and multiply them as Jesus Christ multiplied the loaves and the fishes. For he taught that every man had the power to bless and to multiply, to heal, and to prosper. Did you guys hear that? She said, what shall I do next? I replied, follow intuition. Have you a hunch to do anything or to go anywhere? Intuition means um, intuition or to be taught from within. It is man's unerring guide, and I will deal more fully with this law in a following chapter. I would like to say this. This book is written was written over 100 years ago, and some of the terminology is crazy. So I've had to, if you hear me stumbling, because the, some, sometimes the sentences don't make sense. And I'm trying to make sense of the sentences as I read them. Okay, so the woman replied, I don't know. I seem to have a hunch to go home. I have just enough money for car fare. Her home was in a distant city and was one of lack and limitation. And the reasoning mind or intellect would have said, stay in New York and get work and make some money. I replied, then go home. Never violate a hunch. I spoke the following words for her. Infinite spirit opened the way for great abundance for whatever her name is. She is an irresistible magnet for all that belongs to her by divine right. Now, again, for me, I would change infinite spirit to God or Heavenly Father or something like that. I told her to repeat it continually also. She left for home immediately and and calling on a woman one day, she linked up with an old friend of her family. Through this friend, she received thousands of dollars in a most miraculous way. She has said to me often, tell people about the woman who came to you with $8 and a hunch. So what she, I guess the prayer or the um, affirmation, I would just call it a prayer. She said was infinite spirit opened the way for great abundance for whatever her name is. She is an irresistible magnet for all that belongs to her by divine right. So I'm going to say, Heavenly Father, open the way for great abundance for all of my listeners. They are irresistible magnets for all that belong to them by divine right. 
So I'm going to say that for over all of you guys. There is always plenty on man's pathway, but it can only be brought into manifestation through desire, faith, or the spoken word. Jesus Christ brought out clearly that man must make the first move. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. That's Matthew 7, 7. In the scriptures we read, Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Infinite intelligence, God, is ever ready to carry out man's smallest or greatest demands. Every desire uttered or or unexpressed is a demand. We are often startled by having a wish suddenly fulfilled. For example, one Easter, having seen many beautiful rose trees in the florist's windows, I wished I would receive one and for an instant saw it mentally carried in the door. Easter came and with it a beautiful rose tree. I thanked my friend the following day and told her it was just what I had wanted. She replied, I didn't send you a rose tree, I sent you lilies. The man had mixed up the order and sent me a rose tree simply because I had started the law in action and I had to have a rose tree. Nothing stands between man and his highest ideals and every desire of his heart but doubt and fear. When man can wish without worrying, every desire will be instantly fulfilled. I will explain more fully in the following chapter the scientific reason for this and how fear must be erased from the consciousness. It is man's only enemy. Fear of lack, fear of failure, fear of sickness, fear of loss, and a feeling of insecurity on some plane. Jesus Christ said, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Matthew 8.26 So we can see we must substitute faith for fear. For fear is only inverted faith. It is faith in evil instead of good. The object of the game is to see clearly clearly one's good and to obliterate all mental pictures of evil. This must be done by impressing the subconscious mind with a realization of good. A very brilliant man who has attained great success told me he has suddenly erased all fear from his consciousness by reading a sign which hung in a room. He saw printed in large letters this statement, Why worry? It will probably never happen. These words were stamped indelibly upon his subconscious mind, and he he has now a firm conviction that only good can come into his life, therefore only good can manifest. In the following chapter, I will deal with the different methods of impressing the subconscious mind. It is man's faithful servant, but one must be careful to give it to the right give it the right orders. Man has ever a silent listener at his side, his subconscious mind. Every thought, every word is impressed upon it and carried out in amazing detail. It is like a singer making a record on the sensitive disc of the phonographic plate. Every note and tone of the singer's voice is registered. If he coughs or hesitates, it is registered also. So let us break all the old bad records in the subconscious mind, the records of our lives which we do not wish to keep and make new and beautiful ones. Speak these words aloud with power and conviction. I now smash and and demolish by my word every untrue record in my subconscious mind. 
they shall return to the dust heap of their native nothingness, for they came from my own vain imaginations. I now make my perfect records through the Christ within, the records of health, wealth, love, and perfect self-expression. This is the square of life, the game completed. In the following chapters, I will show how man can change his conditions by changing his words. Any man who does not know the power of the word is behind the times. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Okay, so that was the end of chapter one. And it's just reminded me how much I used to love this. Like I literally just used to love this book. And I bumped into it on YouTube one day and started listening to it. And I just kept listening to it over and over and over again. I've probably listened to this book probably 10 or 12 times while I was at work. And this, I'm telling you, I'm telling, listen, I am going to do this, read the entire book for you guys. But if you have a moment, have a couple extra dollars, go on Amazon and get this book so that you can read it and absorb it for yourself. Because what you're going to get from me is you're going to get the book, but you're going to get my commentary too. And you, although you may not agree with mine, go and read it for yourself so you can get your own commentary. So I'm going to keep going and start uh, and do chapter two. Chapter two is entitled The Law of Prosperity. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense and thou shall have plenty of silver. One of the greatest messages given to the race through the scriptures is that God is man's supply and that man can release through his spoken word all that belongs to him by divine right. He must, however, have perfect faith in his spoken word. Isaiah said, my word shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that whereunto it is sent. We know now that words and thoughts are a tremendous vibratory force ever molding man's body and affairs. A woman came to me in great distress and said she was to be sued on the 15th of the month for $3,000. She knew no way of getting the money and was in despair. I told her God was her supply and there is a supply for every demand. So I spoke the word. I gave thanks that the woman would receive $3,000 at the right time in the right way. I told her she must have perfect faith and act her perfect faith. The 15th came, but no money had materialized. She called me on the phone and asked what she was to do. I replied, it is Saturday, so they won't sue you today. Your part is to act rich, thereby showing perfect faith that you will receive it by Monday. She asked me to lunch with her to keep up her courage. When I joined her at the restaurant, I said, there is no time to economize. Order an expensive luncheon. Act as if you have already received the $3,000. All things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. You must act as if you have already received. The next morning, she called me on the phone and asked me to stay with her during the day. I said, no, you are divinely protected and God is never too late. In the evening, she phoned again, greatly excited, and said, My dear, a miracle has happened. I was sitting in my room this morning when the doorbell rang. I said to the maid, Don't let anyone in. The maid, however, looked out the window and said, It's your cousin with the long white beard. So I said, Call him back. I would like to see him. 
He was just turning the corner when he heard the male's vo- the maid's voice and he came back. He talked for about an hour just as, and just as he was leaving, he said, oh, by the way, how are finances? I told him I needed the money and he said, why, my dear, I will give you $3,000 the, the first of the month. I didn't like to tell him I was going to be sued. What shall I do? I won't receive it till the first of the month and I must have it tomorrow, I said. I'll keep on treating. I said, spirit is never too late. I give thanks she has received the money on the invisible plane and that it manifests on time. The next morning, her cousin called her up and said, come to my office this morning and I will give you the money. That afternoon, she had $3,000 to her credit in the bank and wrote checks as rapidly as her excitement would permit. If one asks for success and prepares for failure, he will get the situation he has prepared for. For example, a man came to me asking me to speak the word that certain debt would be wiped out. I found he spent his time planning that he what he would say to the man when he did not pay his bill, thereby neutralizing my words. He should have seen himself paying the debt. We have a wonderful illustration of this in the Bible relating to the three kings who were in the desert without water for their men and horses. They consulted the prophet Elisha, who gave them this astonishing message. Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet make this valley full of ditches. Man must prepare for the thing he has asked for, when there isn't the slightest sign of it in sight. For example, a woman found it necessary to look for an apartment during the year when there was a great shortage of apartments in New York. It was considered almost an impossibility and her friends were sorry for her and said, isn't it too bad? You'll have to store your furniture and live in a hotel. She replied, you needn't feel sorry for me. I'm a Superman and I'll get an apartment. She spoke the words, infinite spirit opened the way for the right apartment. She knew there was a supply for every demand and that she was unconditioned working on, working on the spiritual plane and that one with God is a majority. She had contemplated buying new blankets when the tempter, the adverse thought or reasoning mind suggested, don't buy the blankets. Perhaps after all, you won't get an apartment and you will have no use for them. She promptly replied to herself, I'll dig my ditches by buying the blankets. So so she prepared for the apartment, acted as though she already had it. She found one in a miraculous way and it was given to her, although there were over 200 other applicants. The blankets showed active faith. My aunt, One of my aunts is this way. Um, when she's planning to buy a new house, she buys everything for that new house. Like I remember when we were younger, she had a, a brand new giant headboard. Like she had all kind of you know glassware and tupperware and things for the the bathroom like she had all these things and we were like dude what's happening why we can't use this now and then she moved to her new house so yeah this works she definitely showed that faith by preparing for her new house it is needless to say that the ditches dug by the three kings in the desert were filled to overflowing. Read 2 Kings. Getting into the spiritual swing of things is no easy matter for the average person. 
the adverse thoughts of doubt and fear from the subconscious. They are the army of the aliens, which must be put to flight. This explains why it is so often darkest before the dawn. A big demonstration is usually preceded by tormenting thoughts. Having made a statement of high spiritual truth, one challenges the old beliefs in the subconscious and error is exposed to be put out. This is the time when we must make his affirmations of truth repeatedly and rejoice and give thanks that he has already received. Before ye call, I shall answer. This means that every good and perfect gift is already man's awaiting his recognition. Man only receives what he sees himself receiving. The children of Israel were told that they could have all the land they could see. This is true of every man. He has only the land within his own mental vision. Every great work, every big accomplishment has been brought into manifestation through holding to the vision and often just before the big achievement comes apparent failure and discouragement. The children of Israel, when they reached the promised land, were afraid to go in, for they said it was filled with giants who made them feel like grasshoppers. And there we saw the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. This is almost every man's experience. However, the one who knows spiritual law is undisturbed by appearance and rejoices while he is yet in captivity. That is, he holds to his vision and gives thanks that the end is accomplished he has received. Jesus Christ gave a wonderful example of this. He said to his disciples, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are ripe and already and are ready to harvest. His clear vision pierced the world of matter, and he saw clearly the fourth dimensional world, things as they really are, perfect and complete in divine mind. So man must ever hold the, hold the vision of his journey's end and demand the manifestation of that which he has already received. It may be his perfect health, love, supply, self-expression, home, or friends. They are all finished and perfect ideas registered in divine mind, which is man's own superconscious mind, and must come through him, not to him. For example, a man came to me asking for treatments for success. It was imperative that he raise within a certain time $50,000 for his business. The time limit was almost up when he came to me in despair. No one wanted to invest in his enterprise and the bank had flatly refused a loan. I replied, I suppose you lost your temper while at the bank, therefore your power. You can control any situation if you control yourself. Go back to the bank, I added, and I will treat. My treatment was, you are identified in love with the spirit of everyone connected with the bank. Let the divine idea come out of this situation. He replied, woman, you are talking about an impossibility. Tomorrow is Saturday. Saturday, The bank closes at 12 and my train won't get me there until 10. And the time limit is up tomorrow. And anyway, they won't do it. It's too late. I replied, God doesn't need any time and is never too late. With him, all things are possible. I added, I don't know anything about business, but I know all about God. He replied, it all sounds fine when I sit here listening to you, 
but when I go out, it's terrible. He lived in a distant city, and I did not hear from him for a week. Then came a letter. It read, you were right. I raised the money and will never again doubt the truth of all that you told me. I saw him a few weeks later, and I said, what happened? You evidently have plenty of time after all. He replied, my train was late, and I got there 15 minutes to 12. I walked into the bank quietly and said, I have come for the loan, and they gave it to me without a question. It was the last 15 minutes of the time allotted to him, and infinite spirit was not too late. In this instance, the man could never have demonstrated a loan. He needed someone to help him hold to the vision. This is what one man can do for another. Jesus Christ knew the truth of this when he said, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching, anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. One gets too close to his own affairs and becomes doubtful and fearful. The friend or healer sees clearly the success, health, or prosperity and never wavers because he is not close to the situation. It is much easier to demonstrate for someone else than for oneself So a person should not hesitate to ask for help if he feels himself wavering. A keen observer of life once said, no man can fail if some one person sees him successful. That was written terribly. (laughs) Such is the power of the vision and many a great man has owed his success to a wife or sister or friend or who believed in him and held without favoring to the perfect pattern. Okay, so that was the end of chapter two. And um, again, I just, I love this book so much. So I agree with most of what um, she said in that book. Again, be, just give me a little little space for the way that I'm reading it because uh, the words, the, the sentence, the syntax, it's just very, is very a hundred years ago. So I've been stumbling just a little bit. So please forgive me for that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with most of what she said, um, including Christ being within because, because he is the kingdom of heaven is in with is within. This is correct. So I do agree with that. Um, and I hope even, even if you're not a Christian and don't believe, um, believe the words either way because the words are true whether you're Christian or not so I'm going to keep going to chapter 3 and this will probably be be the uh, final chapter for this episode chapter 3 the power of the word by the thy words thou shall be justified and by thy words thou shall be condemned a person knowing the power of the word becomes very careful of his conversation he is only to watch the reaction of his words to know that they do not return void. Through his spoken word, man is continually making laws for himself. I knew a man who said, I always miss a car. It invariably pulls out just as I arrive. His daughter said, I always catch a car. I'm sure to come just as I get there. This occurred for years. Each had made a separate law for himself, one of failure, one of success. This is the psychology of superstitions. The horseshoe or rabbit's foot contains no power, but man's spoken word and belief that it will bring him good luck creates expectancy in the subconscious mind and attracts a lucky situation. 
I find, however, this will not work when man has advanced spirituality and knows a higher law. One cannot turn back and must put away graven images. For example, two men in my class had great success in business for several months when suddenly everything went to smash. We tried to analyze the situation and I found instead of making their affirmations and looking to God for success and prosperity, they had each bought a lucky monkey. I said, oh, I see you have been trusting in the lucky monkeys instead of God. Put away the lucky monkeys and call on the law of forgiveness. For man has power to forgive or neutralize his mistakes. They decided to throw the lucky monkeys down a coal hole and all went well again. This does not mean, however, that one should throw away every lucky ornament or horseshoe about the house. But he must recognize that the power back of it is the only, the one and only power, God, and that the object simply gives him a feeling of expectancy. So basically, I I, I definitely agree with this. When I first started out um, this entire journey, I became the gratitude chick and everything was about gratitude. And as I, the more I was learning about gratitude, the more I realized that gratitude is kind of the umbrella under which everything, all manifestations sit. So, but before I learned that part or realized that part, I had veered off my path of gratitude and gone onto this path of manifestation. Now, what does that really mean? It means that with gratitude, I attach all my gratitude to God. And that is why I say gratitude is a prayer. It is praise and it is a feeling state because it is how I express my praise and my thank and my and my gratefulness to God. So when you veer off this path and go on another path that does not necessarily recognize God as that that being that gives you the power like the bible tells us in deuteronomy that it is god who gives us the power to get wealth so if you are on a path of manifestation that does not recognize god as that power he he is the one who gave us the will and to do he is the one that let, allows us to call those things that be not as though they were that is manifestation but he is the one. It is him that gave us his power. He created us in his image and in his likeness. So we have that power. And it is because of him. But when we when I when I went in a, on a different path, it was about me. You see what I mean? And this is kind of akin to the story um in the Bible where Jesus was walking on water. I think it was Peter who wanted to walk after him. And he was walking too until he took his his face or his, his focus away from God and put it back on himself. And when he put it on himself, he began to sink. So this is kind of that same kind of parallel story, if you will. Um, I took my eyes off of gratitude and gratitude being attached to God to manifestation and the manifestation techniques were attached to me and it was leading me in a path that I really it was warring with me 
because I was like, this, I get that so many people believe this, but this doesn't seem right for me. And I was going down just, uh, it was literally a rabbit hole of manifestation. Like it takes you so far into the next thing you know, you believing in the universe instead of the maker of the universe. So I, that is when I said enough is enough. If you guys have been following me for some time, you know that my podcast used to be called Babes Who Manifest. So I changed the name from Babes Who Manifest to Talks with the Gratitude Chick. Everything went back to being the Gratitude Chick. I got a new group. Instead of me um, being a part of... Well, I still have the Babes Who Manifest. I just don't do anything with it. Um, But now my new group is called The Magic of Gratitude. Like everything is about back to being about gratitude. So yes, this definitely, definitely happens. Okay. I was with a friend one day who was in deep despair and crossing the street, she picked up a horseshoe. Immediately, she was filled with joy and hope. She said God had sent her the horseshoe in order to keep up her courage. It was indeed at that moment about the only thing that could have registered in her consciousness. Her hope became faith, and she ultimately made a wonderful demonstration. I wish to make the point clear that the men previously mentioned were depending on the monkeys alone, while this woman recognized the power back of the horseshoe. I know in my own case it took a long while to get out of a belief that a certain thing brought disappointment. If the thing happened, disappointment invariably followed. I found the only way I could make a change in the subconscious was by asserting there are two powers. Excuse me, there are not two powers. There is only one power, God. Therefore, there are no disappointments, and this thing means a happy surprise. I noticed a change at once, and happy surprises commenced coming my way. I have a friend who said nothing could induce her to walk under a ladder. I said, if you are afraid, you are giving in to a belief in two powers, good and evil, instead of one. As God is absolute, there can be no opposing power. Unless man makes the false of evil for himself. Okay. To show you believe in only one power, God, and that there is no power or reality in evil, walk under the ladder, the next ladder you see. Soon after she went to her bank, she wished to open her box in the safety deposit vault and there stood a ladder on her pathway it was impossible to reach the box without passing under the ladder she quailed with fear and turned back she could not face the lion on her pathway however when she reached the street my words rang in her ears and she decided to return and walk under it it was a big moment in her life for ladders had held her in bondage for years she retraced her steps to the vault and the ladder was no longer there This so often happens. If one is willing to do a thing he is afraid to do, he does not have to do it. It is the law of non-resistance, which is so little understood. Someone has said that courage contains genius and magic. Face a situation fearlessly and there is no situation to face. It falls away of its own weight. The explanation is that fear attracted the ladder on the woman's pathway and fearlessness removed it. Thus, the invisible forces are ever working for man who is always pulling the strings himself, though he does not know it. 
Owing to the vibratory power of words, whatever man voices, he begins to attract. People who continually speak of disease invariably attract it. And this I definitely believe. This is why <clears throat> I choose my words carefully. Um, I manage a group uh, about GI is- issues and it has almost 50,000 people in that group. And it's on Facebook. And most of the posts are talking about, they say, my disease. I have this. I am that. I am. I am. And what just managing that group has taught me is this. I cannot claim whatever this is. That's why whenever I say, talk about gastritis, I say, I was diagnosed with it. I never claim it as mine. Just that somebody told me I had it. <laughs> I never claim it as mine. And I only talk about it in, in um, so that you guys can understand what I go through as far as that is concerned. And as far as being grateful and, and you know, saying healthy affirmations and things like that. So, yes, this, this is def- definitely true. Definitely true. And I do believe that um, people who continually speak of disease invariably attract it. Because I told you guys, when I was in my 20s, I often said, you know, talked about it, but I didn't know, really would know what it was. And I have uh, a family member who really talked themselves into diabetes. Because my grandmother had it and they felt like, oh, um, it was hereditary when it was type 2 which can, you know, you can contract on your own. And because of that, it was that person talked themselves into it, talked their their child into it, and tried to talk me into it. And I rebuked that. I rebuke you. <laughs> and I did. Cause I don't have I don't have diabetes. So don't try to talk me into it. And that that was almost 20 years ago that that happened as well. So yeah. Definitely watch your words. They have power. After man knows the truth, he cannot be too careful of his words. For example, I have a friend who often says on the phone, do come to see me and have a fine old-fashioned chat. This old-fashioned chat means an hour of about 500 to 1,000 destructive words. The principal topics being loss, lack, failure, and sickness. I reply, no thank you. I've had enough old-fashioned chats in my life. They are too expensive, but I will be glad to have a new fashion chat and talk about what we want, not what we don't want. There is an old saying that man only dares use his words for three purposes, to heal, bless, or prosper. What man says of others will be said to him, and what he wishes for another, he is wishing for himself. Curses like chickens come home to roost. If a man wishes bad luck, he is sure to attract bad luck himself. If he wishes to aid someone to success, he is wishing and aiding himself to success. The the body may be renewed and transformed through the spoken word and clear vision, and disease be completely wiped out of the consciousness. The metaphysician knows that all disease has a mental correspondence, and in order to heal the body, one must first heal the soul. The soul is a subconscious mind, and it must be saved from wrong thinking. In the 23rd Psalm, we read, He restoreth my soul. 
This means that the subconscious mind or soul must be restored with the right ideas and the mystical marriage is the marriage of the soul and the spirit or the subconscious, superconscious God and man are one. I and the Father are one. That is, he is one with the realm of perfect ideas. He is the man made in God's likeness and image, imagination, and is given power and dominion over all created things his mind, body, and affairs. It is safe to say that all sickness and unhappiness comes from the violation of the law of love. Now, the law of love 100 years ago was the law of attraction, just so you guys know. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another. And in the game of life, love or goodwill takes every trick. For example, a woman I know had for years an an appearance of terrible skin disease. The doctors told her it was incurable and she was in despair. She was on the stage and she feared she would soon have to give up her profession and she had no other means of support. She, however, procured a good engagement and on the opening night made a great hit. She received flattering notices from critics and was joyful and elated. The next day, she received a notice of dismissal. A man in the cast had been jealous of her success and caused her to be sent away. She felt hatred and resentment taking complete possession of her and she cried out, oh God, don't let me hate that man. That night she worked for hours in the silence. She said, I soon came into a very deep silence. I seemed to be at peace with myself, with the man and with the whole world. I continued this for two following nights. And on the third night, I found I was completely healed of the skin disease and asking for love or goodwill she had fulfilled the law for the love is the fulfilling of the law and the disease which came from the subconscious resentment was wiped out continual criticism produces rheumatism as critical and harmonious thoughts cause unnatural deposits in the blood which settle in the in the joints false growths are caused by jealousy hatred, unforgiveness, fear, etc. Every disease is caused by a mind not at ease. I agree with that. I said once in my class, there is no use asking anyone what's the matter with you. We might just as well say, who's the matter with you? Unforgiveness is the most prolific cause of disease. It will harden arteries or liver and affect the eyesight. In its train are endless ills. That is deep. And and I'm going to be honest with you. I definitely believe that we cause our dis-ease. And I know nobody wants to to, to hear that because you want to believe that it's coming from outside of you. But it's all inside, internal, coming from yourself. For instance, anxiety. Anxiety is debilitating because it is a paralyzing fear and it is illogical because you don't, if you just stop and chill out for a second, you will realize there is no reason for you to fear. That is why it is illogical. But when you are in that moment of panic, you are not thinking logically. And anxiety settles in your gut. And I personally believe that is one of the reasons that 
the gastritis lingers, it's because of anxiety. And when you are a person who likes to be in control, you want to know the next steps. You want to know the outcome. And you are you can't control any of this. That is when anxiety settles in your gut. I personally believe that is why the gastritis lingers because of this anxiety. So yes, I definitely believe that we cause our own dis-ease. That's just how I believe. <laughs> okay, let's go back to where I was. I called on a woman one day who said she was ill from having eaten a poisoned oyster. I replied, oh no, the oyster was harmless. You, you poisoned the oyster. What's the matter with you? She answered, oh, about 19 people. She had quarreled with 19 people and had become so inharmonious that she attracted the wrong oyster. Any inharmony on the external indicates there is mental inharmony. As the within, so the without. Man's only enemies are within himself, and a man's foes shall be that of his own household. Personality is one of the last enemies to be overcome. As this planet is taking its initiation in love, it was Christ's message, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. The enlightened man therefore endeavors to perfect himself upon his neighbor. His work is with himself to send out goodwill and blessings to every man. And the marvelous thing is that if one blesses a man, he has no power to harm him. For example, a man came to me asking to treat for success in business. He was selling machinery and a rival appeared on the scene with what he proclaimed was a better machine. And my friend feared defeat. I said, first of all, we must wipe out all fear and know that God protects your interests and that the divine idea must come out of this situation. That is, the right machine will be sold by the right man to the right man. And I added, don't hold one critical thought towards that man. Bless him all day and be willing not to sell your machine if it isn't the divine idea. So he went to the meeting fearless and non-resistant and blessing the other man. He said the outcome was very remarkable. The other man's machine refused to work and he sold his without the slightest difficulty. But I say unto you, love your enemies Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which spitefully use you and persecute you. Goodwill produces a great aura of protection about the one who sends it, and no weapon that is formed against him shall prosper. In other words, love and goodwill destroy the enemies within oneself. Therefore, one has no enemies on the external. There is peace on earth for him who sends goodwill to man. Okay, so that was the end of chapter three. Um, I am starting to remember why I loved this book so much, right? So um, next week, we're going to start with chapter four, The Law of Non-Resistance. Tuesday's episode is going to be another episode on mindset. Again, we are going to be looking at mindset for 2023. I, I think that that is going to be my main focus is changing my mind to what it is that I want and I'm going to be reading books along that vein I should say so um for the purpose of that most of the next few books are going to be by Laura by this lady um Florence 
Skogoshin. So I just wanted to make you guys aware of that because I have her complete work. So I'm going to read some of those books in there. Um, I am also going to give you guys for January a morning routine that I think that I want us all to practice for January to get into the habit of making it our morning routine. So I think I'm going to do that episode up and just schedule it for January so I don't forget what it is that I want you guys to do or want us all to do for January. So that's coming up. Just wanted you guys to know and we're going to start again back doing affirmations. Um, I still am only going to do two episodes a week. The affirmations will come in the Tuesday episodes. So watch out for that. Episodes will drop on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Also, guys, start your new year off right with a gratitude challenge. Don't forget to pick up 21 Days of Thankfulness on Amazon. It is waiting there in hardback, paperback, and Kindle. Um, go and get, get a copy for yourself. Start the new year off right with 21 Days of Thankfulness. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I appreciate your continued support. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza, aka the Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe and give my podcast five stars. If you have not already, join my Facebook group, Babes Who Manifest.